Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Caroline Walker is an artist from Scotland who studied for a BA in painting at the Glasgow School of Art, and then an MA at the Royal College of Art in London, where she currently lives and works. Her work has been exhibited internationally with recent solo exhibitions at Space K in Seoul, Project B Milan, Grim Amsterdam, Anat Elby in LA, and Kettle's Yard in Cambridge. Her work has been included in group exhibitions at the Whitechapel Gallery in London, the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool, Sandsbury Center for Visual Arts in Norwich, and Rudolfinum in Prague. Her work was included in Feiden's Vitamin P3, and a monograph of her work will be published by Enami in early June. I caught up with Caroline on the heels of her solo show at Grimm Gallery when she was in New York City, and we spoke about her days, growing up in Scotland, her move to London, the inspiration behind her paintings, and much more. Here's our conversation. But how long have you lived in, you live in London, right? Yeah, I've been in London for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Any inflection or your, um, what am I in your voice, voice, you know, do you pick up any? No, I don't think so. I, um, I was in Glasgow for seven years before I moved to London. And um, I'm actually from the east coast of Scotland, which is a slightly different accent yeah. to Glasgow. But I never really picked up much Glasgow either it's like my accent was kind of fixed yeah. <laughs> from about 12 or down. something and it yeah. never changed <laughs> right <laughs> I wonder I, I feel like there must be a little bit in New York that's gotten into my yeah can you can you tell a lot of I, I mean maybe it's as an outsider I can't tell huge differences in American accents unless it's like a you know a vast geographical distance I right. think I can tell the difference between New York and LA or something like or that, like Georgia yeah yeah but even Other word than that, changes. I would be sort of struggling, I think, to identify. Isn't it interesting from. how different it is? You know what I mean? Like, if you're from the area, there's like l- subtle differences you pick on so quickly, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I'm from Pittsburgh, and there's a Pittsburgh accent, but it's very subtle. And have you got a Pittsburgh accent? A little bit, yeah. Like, <laughs> I've buried most of it, but there's some <laughs> things that I say that are Pittsburghese. I bet when you go home as well, you oh, yeah, slip right back into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But only people that I meet from that area, when I'm talking to them, they'll be like, oh, you're from Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, how do you know? But yeah, there's little subtle differences <laughs> that, you know, kind of bubble up sometimes. But when I go back, I'm, I, I listen to my parents and I'm like, I can't believe that I've changed my voice from how different it was. Yeah. So the Eastern, there's like... A subtle difference there. What was it like growing up there? Countryside? Um, no, I'm from quite a big town, mm-hmm. um, about 15 miles north of Edinburgh. Okay. So um, quite a built-up part of Scotland. Is it beautiful, I imagine? Mm. No? Not so much. B- bits of it are. It's a ver- the town that I'm from is very old. It used to be the capital of Scotland. Um, so, like prior to Scotland and England joining together. Mm-hmm. Um so it's quite historical, has a really old abbey, and it's also where Andrew Carnegie was born. Oh, you're kidding. Um, no, so we've got a lot of um, 
there's a lot of buildings in the town that were paid for. Like we we have a Carnegie Hall, <laughs> but it's not quite as impressive as oh, yeah. the American one. That's so funny because I'm from Carnegie. Oh really? Yeah, it's a small area of Pittsburgh, <laughs> and and you know Western Pennsylvania is where he yeah. was, and the the Carnegie Library. The first one is in my small town. Wow. So my whole life, you know, Carnegie has been kind of like <laughs> present, you know. So he was born there. And I just listened to a podcast with him about his whole life story and how he came to the United States. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. did you hear a lot about him? Like oh, yeah. Up? I mean, there's a lot of like, most of he donated a huge amount of money yeah. to the town. So there's a huge public park that was funded by him, a clinic, a library, the concert hall. Um, and there's a museum of like the house where he was born. Oh yeah, and brought up. I think he was born to quite a poor, yeah, poor family. It's a very yeah, small very cottage, poor. right, in the town. I'll have to send you the link to that podcast. Yeah, it's really what a weird coincidence. I know, right? <laughs> so, wow. So, how was growing up? Were you uh, were you always creative? Was it something you yeah. you always drew or? Yeah, I was quite obsessive from an early age. Just drew pictures of women. Yeah. Like all the time. My mum just had to give me a sort of pad and a pencil and I'd amuse myself for hours. And were you drawing from li- were you drawing people around you or just from imagination? No, just from imagination. Um I called them fancy ladies. <laughs> My mum said they all looked like prostitutes, but <laughs> <laughs> Were you were you reading a lot of like children's books or like uh, Yeah, I don't know where this particular um strain of my imagination was sparked from, mm-hmm. but um I think I was always really interested in women. Yeah. Um, and my my mum was quite a... Well, obviously, she was a big figure in my life, but she... Um, my dad was out at work all the time. My mum was the, the housewife. I was going to ask. This quite, this, this quite big house, and her house was this her kingdom, I guess. So, yeah. Um, I think I was really interested in that from an early age. Did you have siblings? I'm sorry if you said yeah, it. But yeah, um, I've got a big brother. A big brother. Yeah. So n- I was imagining like your mother and then like five sisters. Want <laughs> <laughs> some sort of matriarchal. <laughs> right. <laughs> like women all around. <laughs> but no, it wasn't. You were just drawn no. that from your imagination. Yeah. I don't really know where it came from. But it's funny that, I mean, that's really still present. Oh, yeah. Um, my interests haven't really changed. It was either pictures of women or pictures of houses with yeah. women or often. Um, women that were sort of drudges I suppose doing housework mm-hmm. in these houses which was a very thinly veiled representation of my mum I think or yeah. what, what I thought of right. her so architecture and figures in yeah. architecture yeah. which is yeah I I've only got one idea and I've just been doing it my whole <laughs> life <laughs> you've been honing that idea I'm honing it yeah <laughs> no I remember the first paintings I did um was I, where I grew up in, in Carnegie, it was basically um, like it was a church and then a bar and then a bar mm. and then a small store, church, bar, bar, store. You know, it was, yeah. so there were these churches and rectories like everywhere. So there was one kind of catty corner to where I grew up and I would always, I was fascinated by the building because I never saw anyone go in or out. Had this beautiful landscaping around it with flowers and stuff, but it just seemed empty. And so I started drawing and painting that you know, building. And I feel like yeah. architecture for me was always, it was like a stand in for people in mm, a way. Mm. And, um, it seems like a lot of your work, not to jump too far ahead, but is about this dynamic between people and the spaces and what Definitely. those spaces imply, Yeah, which I think is, you know, 
kind of a shared subject matter that I'm, I'm super interested in how spaces and places kind of determine how we act. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So when you, you drew, but how did you end up? Like, did you think in high school that like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this for like, I just want to be an artist or I did think that so. happen down the line? I was sort of always torn between, I loved art, but I was also quite academic. I really liked maths and science as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still, I couldn't really decide which which way to go. I, nobody else in my family has ever been an artist, so it was a bit of an un, unknown. Right. Um, but when I, this year before I was finishing high school, um, some of us that were in a, my biology class got an opportunity to go and do a week course doing microbiology, a lab, um, and... It was incredibly boring, and I just sort of like it was so having to be so precise and clean. I realised that that definitely wasn't for me. And then a few weeks later, I went to go to summer school at Edinburgh College of Art, Mm -hmm. and just had the best few weeks. Partly because they would give us wine every night after the classes, and I was sixteen, so I just thought this was the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also really enjoyed the the classes themselves, and I think it just made me realise that. That was definitely what I wanted to to be doing. Yeah, you were more relaxed. Yeah, I just felt like it was felt very fe- felt like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I went to pre med school my first semester of college, and I was surrounded by all these like young geniuses. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Like very straight laced and work, you know, just prone to do like studying and all that. Stuff. And I just didn't, I didn't feel at home. You mm. know, so I just transferred out of that. But I think I I felt that too whenever I started studying art it just felt like oh this is something i i want to do yeah yeah so what did your family think of you you know going into art um i think they were a little bit nervous for me about whether it would lead to any kind of survival (laughs) (laughs) and i think that nervousness continued until about (laughs) probably about four or five years ago um that's a good feeling when you're when you feel like they must think oh okay She's yeah, got it. yeah. It's okay. Whenever anybody, I mean, um, <laughs> whenever my parents come to an opening or something, and somebody says, "Oh, you must be very proud of Caroline," Mum's her response is always, "I'm just glad she's you know able to look after herself now." <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that's nice. That's like a very honest. Yeah, <laughs> she's not giving the like. I always told her to be an artist. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, they were very supportive, but right. I suppose you know they had no idea about what how an artist kind of survives yeah they make a living or and what that life is like right yeah because every parent wants their kid to at least be able to just (laughs) pay the bills yeah yeah i wonder if some of that is like i don't want them coming back home to me sort of thing oh i'm sure there's quite a lot of that in there it's like get out and take (laughs) care of yourself (laughs) so so you went to school yeah and uh what like what was that like the transition to to going away um it was i think well maybe a lot of people find that transition a bit tricky and I, fa- I think I, it took me a, a quite a long time to settle into to being in an art school environment because I think it's um, it's so self-directed being at art school yeah. and although there was classes and things in the first couple of years I was there a lot of it's um, you're generating your own ideas and at 18, 19 you know still don't really know what those ideas are yeah um, and that when you get criticism, it's very difficult not to take it quite personally. Right. Like, 
a lot of things I remember about art school. Are, um, so I went to Glasgow School of Art. I don't know if you've ever been to the, been there. Um, I it's this amazing Charles Rennie Macintosh building. Um, and I mean, it's a fantastic place to, the painting studios are brilliant, but there are these um, sort of dark wooden um, panelled corridors outside the studios that have these little bench seats built into the windows. I kind of remember often sitting in there crying after oh, really? <laughs> a tutorial. Um, so I think a lot of uh, a lot of art school felt like that learning curve of um, not taking criticism so personally and and trying to get the constructive part of it. Right. Um, but by the time I was leaving, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's I think I was sort of right? finding my feet with what I was interested in, and it just took a few years. But yeah, there's this adage that you have to have the, you know, the rug pulled out from under you, kind of, and yeah. then build yourself back up. But I think when you go, because you went straight to school, right? Yeah, I was only, I wasn't even 18 yet when yeah. I started. So it's tough. I think, um, I probably didn't get as much out of it as yeah. I would if I'd been a little bit older. I, um, I feel like that's come up plenty of times in conversations really? where it's like <laughs> you kind of. You know, I kind of wish I was able to go to school when I was like, you know, like now. Yeah. Because I feel like I'd really get a lot out of it and enjoy it. Whereas when you're younger, it's just like your head spinning and. Yeah, you're just working out how to be on your own, like, and all yeah. sorts of things. That and emotional, it. like you're emotional. Yeah. You're a, you're a mess. <laughs> you're not like kind of like, you know, over it. Yeah. <laughs> in a way it's like as you get older you're just you're, you're comfortable with things like okay I get it that's that way and yeah. then I feel like for me like learning I, I'm just I'm much more interested in the act of learning mm. it's funny because like I, when I was growing up my dad was always really into history as he got older and mm -hmm. like I kind of get it now like he was just trying as you age you get more interested in relationships and culture and all that stuff. yeah so. yeah I think when you're young, it's difficult. But the nice thing is you have that energy, you know. Mm. Were you in the studio, like, all the time? Oh, working? yeah, yeah. In there it sounds like, like an intense program. It is, and I think I've done a bit of teaching um, in the last few years. And I've always been surprised at how empty some of the studios are yeah. in art schools a lot of the time. You're like, where is everybody? They're on the internet. That's where yeah. they are. Yeah, I don't know. When I was at art school, we were was in there from, like, 9 a.m. till. 8 p.m. every night I mean it wasn't like I was working all the time but yeah, I just loved but being there. in the studio and yeah. kind of chatting to people and um, just being in that environment I think it's changed because I teach too and you know it's there's more of a nine to five feel to it. I mean, there's mm. there's some students who are there all the time, but I remember when I was in school, we were sleeping in that place. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, would, yeah. we would just take a nap for a few hours, get up. And I know part of it, like you're saying, part of it was working, but part of it was just having fun and hanging out and talking about each other's work mm. or listening to music or whatever it was. It wasn't like we were literally working the entire time, but I think now there's so many more distractions. Yeah. Like if yeah. The, if Netflix existed whenever I was in <laughs> yeah. school, maybe it wouldn't have been there as much. I don't know. Uh, but then again, I probably couldn't have afforded it, so I, it wouldn't matter anyway. <laughs> but you had a good time during school? Like you feel like your work progressed? and Yeah. Are you yeah. still friends with some of the people that you went to school with? Or Yeah, although none of them are, um, well, from Glasgow, none of the people I'm friends with are still practicing artists. Oh, yeah. They've all moved into... They moved into creative businesses, right. but not not making art anymore. Not fine art. Yeah. 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 It's tough. Yeah. Right. I think you've just like, I mean, I don't know if you find this, but I think just hanging on in there and trying to yeah. like keeping going and eventually other, like so many people just 
have to sort of drop out of doing that to go and go and get a job somewhere else or they they realize it's not it's not quite for them yeah life so yeah it's i think it takes a certain you know amount of resolve and a certain personality to just be that persistent you know and i i remember being when i first moved here a lot of my elder you know like teachers or artists that i'd known who'd been around for a long time they just would always say you know just stay just no matter how hard it gets just stay with it yeah if you can weather the storms because there's always going to be storms you know you have a good chance of like doing this for you know your life basically but it's not for everyone no and i don't know how so you're you're still at glasgow at this point right when you're first starting off yeah yeah so i was in glasgow for another uh three years before i went to do an ma in london i don't even i plead ignorance but i don't even know about the glasgow art scene like what what was it like you know um glasgow's got a really thriving art scene it's like i think it's one of the probably the only city other than you know that's i sorry not london in the uk that can have such a autonomous art scene probably because it's far enough away from london and it has this great art school and stuff so it's um and it's produced a lot of big international artists um i think at the time that i was there um there wasn't it wasn't a great place to be a painter in a lot of ways most of the people that were on my course in painting afterwards either either they weren't hardly any of them were actually scottish so um most people moved off to other places either moved down to london or they moved to berlin or um moved elsewhere and i think glasgow at that time was still although it was a really great art scene it probably was better for um more conceptual artists yeah i think but i was there for another three years and i had a studio and i was working the whole time um but i wasn't really showing much there probably mm-hmm. like more um sort of showing a little bit abroad and sort of entering competitions and that kind of thing and were you, are you what's your music relationship to music are you a fan of music or did you grow up listening to a lot of music um, I've always like I've got really bad taste in music. Nice. I, I like <laughs> really crap music. <laughs> well, what? Uh, um, <laughs> you're so self-aware of that. <laughs> I just like terrible music. <laughs> I just like terrible music. Um, what is this terrible music you um, speak of? Well, because <laughs> there's a good music scene in. Isn't there a good music scene in Glasgow? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I used to go to. Um, I was maybe more into. M- better music when I was in Glasgow and I did go to gigs and stuff yeah um but that's never been my my thing I think art's always been the the big big thing thing. for me my big passion yeah did you listen to music growing up in the house or was it quiet um it wasn't quiet but I wouldn't say well so the only music that was ever played by my parents was classical music and I learned the piano and the cello growing up so I probably had more of a and played in orchestras and stuff like that and I carried on doing that I played in an orchestra when I lived in Glasgow as well um so it's probably more in that scene I guess if that's a scene Um, (laughs) but not really yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um but yeah I don't know if music was never like a big sort of part of my life in that way I don't know that's that's fair. So, what is the terrible music you listen to now? Like pop um, stuff, or yeah, yeah. So, I, my favorite. Well, I veer between in, in the studio. I like to listen to the radio, 
and I'm either listening to um, BBC Radio Four, which right. I don't know if you're no, if I you're know familiar a little bit with. About yeah, the BBC, so it's yeah. like talk talking right. radio, and lots of like educational kind of like NPR programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or I listen to Kiss FM, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you have. Do you have Kiss FM? Here? Uh, we have a Kiss FM, but I think there's Kiss FMs. Yeah, the, I think I, I listened to Kiss FM when I was in LA last year, and it sounded pretty much the same as right. what I listened to in the UK. So like quite you know commercial sort Taylor Swift, of dance Bieber, and sort of um, R and B. Yeah, that's, that's so, good. <laughs> it's always a bit embarrassing when anybody sort of comes around to the studio if I get taken by surprise, sort of quickly changing the radio oh, station. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't yeah, listening yeah. to Taylor Swift. That's yeah, annoying well, that that came <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> My husband finds it very amusing when he first came by the studio and he's like. You know, you make these paintings and you're like listening to this absolute <laughs> like terrible music while you do it. Yeah, but I feel like there's a... Well, okay, so to get into the subject matter of your paintings via music, the music tangent, I was thinking about it when I was looking at your images that there's kind of this relationship... Like we have a relationship to pop music where you say it's terrible, but there's something catchy about it that's mm. undeniably, you know, catchy yeah. or it wouldn't yeah. be pop. Like, you know hundreds of thousands of people wouldn't be listening or buying this music if it wasn't catching on for people, right? Yeah. And I, f- I think that the, you know, these scenes that you're painting and the people in them, like let's say it's like high society people or something or someone getting mm. their nails done. or, You know, I don't necessarily think that you're glamorizing that at all. You know what no. I mean? Or like this is the desirable thing. It's kind of a, you know... It's almost like making a comment on it without really making the comment, just showing it that it yeah. exists. Yeah. There's something poppy about that in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because I think pop music gives you, there are messages in it that aren't really challenging you necessarily, but they're just, I don't know, I'm really trying to draw two things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's not, I think all of my work is kind of, is just showing you something. It's like a sort of observation of what's around you in the world. And some of that will be, um, part of a also part of the pop culture. It's not showing you things that are necessarily highbrow or um, to be thought of in a particular way. It's leaving it up to you to to sort of interpret them. Right, but want. they're a lot of times they're desirable images. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So the LA, I think the LA paintings that you did, you know, mm-hmm. of these like super nice looking modern interiors, seen from the outside, those would be desirable to someone living in the homes that you're painting but at the same time i can't help but think there's a slight critique of those spaces too yeah definitely um i think with all of my work there's always a implication that what you're looking at isn't quite as simple as it might first appear right um and particularly with those very like on the surface aspirational homes or lifestyles yeah um that actually there might be something a bit more sinister going on underneath, or maybe not even sinister, but just um, that people's lives are much more complicated than having a having all the signifiers of of a good life. Yeah, but there, I think there's something about the voyeuristic viewpoint of those paintings that makes you feel like you know not all is well with the one percent. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You're you're kind of there's something almost implied with the fact that you shouldn't be able to see into these people's homes or that you're seeing the behind the scenes of what is the veneer of like luxury Mm, mm. or status or whatever. And you're seeing into like the daily 
you yeah. know, boring, you know, just sitting on the edge of the bed or something. Yeah, the sort of off-guard moments. Yeah, but they're painted really what like that. So the first time I saw your painting was at Freeze last year. And it was, for me, it was a stop. Like, I stopped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's certain paintings where you see them and you stop. You're like, whoa, what's that? You know? And it was the scale and it was the way it was painted. And then it was that feeling. It, they just have this feeling that I think is probably just a combination of it's the color, it's the facility and the way that you're painting it. You're not giving all the information. You're not obsessing about the information, but mm. you're you're getting a lot of stuff quickly. But there's a real beauty to the way you're painting it. But there's also something haunting about it, too, I think. Is that accurate? Yeah, well, I'm, you know, that's a very kind <laughs> appraisal, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I'm tr- trying to capture, that you don't get the whole story and that, um, that there's enough left in, in, the way that, in the way that they're painted yeah. that, can, that can mean that the viewer has to bring something to it as well. Right. So, I mean, what are your... Like if you have someone who buys one, uh, you know, a painting of an interior like that, who lives in an interior like that, do you like the idea of that kind of play between the two? Or do you not even think about it? Um, I, I, I'm always interested in what people say about the work. And often if it's those people that live in those houses buying them, I wonder if they see the critique yeah. in the work or whether they just think, oh, great that looks a bit like my life right like isn't that wonderful yeah um or there could be the what who cares yeah (laughs) they see it or they don't but it's in there so yeah yeah if they want to see it they can yeah but the so the current show that's opening at grim gallery here in new york is called service and i imagine that's all it's all service industry related imagery right it's not all service industry but it sort of started off a bit like that so um the the idea for the show had well it's kind of come about through I did a um a show about nail bars mm-hmm. last year. Nail bars in London. Um Is that what they're nail bars? Is that the, what they're referred to? Yeah. We call them nail salons. <laughs> nail salons. Yeah. That sounds a bit Same more thing. kind of <laughs> There bit fancier, to, doesn't it? Nail salons. Well, there used to be one right down the street here, f- and it was called um, Nailed It. And I Nailed it. With That's an exclamation great. point. I mean, it's the most punny. Oh, the, uh, you know, the names of the places are amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, fine nailing <laughs> or yeah. you nailed it, whatever it is. It's great. <laughs> so you had a group of images of those that you started with? Um, well, so that I did that show last year, and I'd kind of... That was probably one of the first times that I'd really looked at the city around me as a yeah. subject um which had come out of just noticing all these nail bars cropping up around my near my studio which is a relatively recent phenomenon in, in london really i think probably yeah. in the last sort of five to ten years the nail bar things really happened right um and i think it was just the, the enjoyment of looking into those spaces that it's such a a public show of something that's actually quite intimate in a way yeah um they're often got these big plate glass windows onto the street um and i'm very nosy (laughs) so uh, i think having done that show um this current show had kind of a bit of a seed of the idea from from that and about my enjoyment really of being in the city and being nosy and looking into lots of windows yeah um and a 
the end of last year I was reading this book um, called Flanus mm-hmm. um, by this writer, Lauren Elkin. And that book takes the the idea of the flaneur, the, you know, this sort of 19th century um, dandyish character mm-hmm. that walks the city and observes things, um, who is really always cast as a male figure. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes that idea and looks at historical um, examples of women that engage with the city for creative purposes. Um, but also it's sort of part memoir of her experience of being in the city and and of enjoying that space. And it got me thinking about maybe doing another show that looked at, at the city and about what we observe from the pavement as we walk around it. Right. Um, so I started doing some walks around London. This was in January with, you know, late afternoon when it was getting dark. And just taking pictures through windows of shops, restaurants, offices. Um, and I think it could have... When I was looking back at what I had, it could have just been a, a show about service industry jobs or it could have just been shops. Right. Um, but I decided I wanted to open it out a bit so that it didn't feel like it was... Um, I think coming back to what you were saying about um, the works not be telling you what to think about the thing you're looking at, mm-hmm. um, I thought if I kept the, the subject matter very broad, then that there's a lot of questions in the work I think about what kind of roles women you know occupy yeah. in the job world or and how those jobs are paid and things like that but I didn't want to ask any of those questions explicitly in the work but just to to present this quite broad range of what what you see when you're walking around and you get these little glimpses into people's lives yeah you're leaving a lot open a lot of openness there for the viewer to sort of bring their interpretation yeah. Like I'm sure, a, you know, like a 58 year old man who sees the painting of the nail salon and the 20 year old girl, or, you know, like there's, there can be so many different yeah. sort of dialogues with that image, you know, which is really interesting how yeah. different it can be. Um, when you're um, walking through, you're taking photos, you're not really sketching. Do you come back yeah. to the studio and sketch things out or like, you know, look through the photos and pretty much find one and say oh that's a that's a painting i gotta make that and you pretty much stick to it um it's kind of a mixture really so um i usually have often like hundreds of photographs this um series may be slightly different because i might have only got a chance to sort of take something very quickly rather than work at loads of different ways it could could look um but i'll edit the photographs on in photoshop usually just to um, straighten them out and maybe manipulate the colours a little bit mm-hmm. in them and then I'll get way more stuff printed than I would ever need to work with for the paintings and then I start making drawings and I make oil sketches um, on paper, do you do on sketches p- on paper? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they might be those are really like a pretty definite prelude to making the big paintings so do you ever show those? yeah, yeah, so I'm showing this the downstairs space in Grimm for this show is oil sketches. Nice. Um, I think most of, th- nearly all the ones we're showing um, don't correspond to big paintings that are in the show. So I'll make a lot more sketches than um, than that actually get turned into the big paintings. It's nice because it's kind of like seeing the, the 
the process of what mm. you're looking at through the city and then certain images, which ones almost like elevate for you or, you know, that yeah, you want to take yeah. a step further. But I always love seeing those either like sometimes people do catalogs and in the catalog they'll show some of the inspiration pictures mm-hmm. or more sketches than what's in the show. And it's it's like a nice extension of, mm. you know, the work that you're seeing in the gallery. Yeah. It's nice to sort of not just to see the finished result. Yeah. You you said they're doing a book, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is um, it already it's ready? It's nearly ready. Um, we we're just waiting for the installation images of this show to drop nice. into it. Um, so it should be coming out at the end of this month. Nice. So it'll be available during the run, towards the tail end of the show. Yeah, like the very, very end, I think. Right. Well, um, that's good. That's great, though, to have, you know, a book of the images. Yeah, really yeah. Nice. So is this your first time having a solo show in New York? It's my second one. The first one was in 2011 with in a space which is now closed um, called Anna Christia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know it? Yeah, I remember this. Sorry, that was seven years ago. And my memory only goes back <laughs> Yeah. Oh, weeks. yeah, Oops. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I can't believe it was seven years ago. Time, time flies, gone? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, just to go back quickly, like when you, when did you decide to move to London? What made you make that? Um, I wanted to do an MA. And oh, okay. I... Um, and I also really wanted to move to London. I wanted to to move down there for years, but I didn't. I didn't really want to make that move to London without the. Um, I without the sort of having to do having something to do there. You yeah. know, I thought it, like there's so many artists in London. It'd be quite difficult to get a network and meet meet other people. Just if went down there and got a studio. So school's um, great for that. Yeah. You get a built-in kind of peer group. And yeah, yeah. Faculty and, yeah. Um, so how was it? You went to Goldsmiths, right? Uh, no, Royal College. No. Oh, yeah. How was it? Um, It was brilliant. Yeah. Like, had most amazing time. So much better than the first stint at art school, I think, <laughs> because I was that bit older. It was 20, yeah. 25 when I went um, to Royal College. So, I and I'd had a few years out in the real world. So right. So you could really appreciate yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you had a good community there. More yeah. painters than Yeah, so um, Royal College is still sort of um, split up into different departments yeah, within segre- the fine art. Media segregated. Yeah, so I was in the painting department and I was really lucky to be there at a time when it was still very small um, class group. There was only 18 of us. In our year. Oh, it is small. Um, and now I think they take about 40 That's in a year. That's amazing, right? Um, so that you had a good sort of like small group. And yeah, so it felt like we were really sort of tight kind of um, group of students and all got on really well. I would imagine they bring in good visiting artists too. Yeah, Do they? yeah, it was good. I don't know if I can remember who we had off the top of my head, but <laughs> I, yeah, it was a really, it was a good program. Yeah. And uh, how did you feel about the pace of London? Um, it was really exciting. Well, you got a studio there, right? In school, they provide you with yeah. a studio. So yeah. you had that sort of foot in the door in a way. Yeah. Because if you moved to London without that process, you know, without that structure, oh, yeah. it would just be like, okay, where do I get a studio? How do I... Yeah, how do you get a studio? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like in New York, but in London, it's difficult to, to get an artist studio. Here, it's just really expensive. You can get a studio, but... Yeah. a fortune yeah so but yeah th- i mean I, I guess that's a great thing about school is that you can kind of you know make connections and meet people and you know so 
you were there two is it a two-year program yeah and then you got out and then at that point you were comfortable you got a studio outside the city or outside the school um yeah so i was quite lucky i got on award when i was graduating which gave me a studio for a year and a grant and then a show at the end of it oh that's nice um so it was really great to have that almost a transitional year where i didn't have to worry about getting a studio and I didn't have to think, oh, when am I going to get a chance to show my work again? Yeah. Um, what year was that? 2009 I graduated. Okay. So you've been at it now for almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no, in your, is London like you're, you're, you're basically working there now? Yeah. Like that's your, yeah. your new I, home in a way? Yeah. Um, just bought a flat before Christmas. So nice. I guess I'm going to be staying there for another you dropped Jeez. anchor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I've got a really great studio and it's a less than two minutes walk from my flat. So mm-hmm. I've got a really nice setup. Um, I don't know. I think I toy with the idea of moving back to Scotland at some point. But I think I'd find um, part of what I get from living in London is that is that sort of inspiring environment of being in a really big, city and so much of my work is actually drawing on on that experience yeah. i think yeah it feels very cosmopolitan in a way you know but then you it seems like your work is open to travel too because did you make the la paintings while you did you do the research for those paintings in la or how did you yeah, do that yeah um so I've done a couple of trips out there first one was in 2015 um, I spent a few weeks in LA and went to Palm Springs mm-hmm. and did worked with some models like hired a house there, did some work there, and then was back in LA last year, um, and worked with one of the same models that I'd worked with in 2015, um, but worked with her in a slightly different way this time. But again, at a hired house in LA, um, but then I make all of the work back in my studio in London. Yeah. Wow. So you're. You're setting it up in a way. Yeah, it's almost it's like a, a sort of film. Well, yeah, that that makes it sound like it would be really organised, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more ad hoc than that. <laughs> Experimental. Experimental. Yeah. <laughs> Fluid. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. Other than <laughs> These like are all good. I'm going to remember them. Messy. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of threw a lady in the house and took yeah. pictures, and there we go. <laughs> so that's a really big difference, isn't it? In a way yeah. to sort of. Well, I guess you're not orchestrating it, orchestrating it like a film Well, I set. guess it kind of, it's it pretty orchestrated, really. I mean, I, um, so for the most recent um, work I did in LA, I had this idea that I wanted to work with this model again because she, I really liked the way she looked, but she also interested me as a character in herself. Um, she's a former Miss Colorado, 1977. How did you meet this one? <laughs> <laughs> I met, uh, the first time I was in LA, I just put an, ad on this website called Backstage, um, which is like for non non represented actors and models. Yeah. Um, for gigs. Yeah, yeah. And I just I was looking for somebody to come and model for me in Palm Springs. And I was really open to what they looked like, age, body type, anything. Um and I got quite a lot of people getting back to me, but she really stood out. Well she's Miss Colorado. Yeah. Um <laughs> And I've always been really interested in uh, a lot of what I'm interested in about painting women is um, the sort of anxiety, uh, sort of feminine anxieties, I suppose. Yeah. Um, 
like sort of ideas about aging and beauty and I find that really interesting to work with somebody who um who has been so validated in her youth for her looks yeah. and how do how do you deal with that as you age right um so that's that was almost really like the starting point for that series of work in LA um and then I found a house just on Airbnb that I wanted to yeah um it's a great resource for yeah yeah um so I just hired it for a few days and then I had a friend that was living out in LA um off and on but she's British um and she was working for this very rich woman who Mm -hmm. I kind of almost imagined might be in the same world that this character that I was trying to present was and she really helped me I was like I've got this woman and I've got this house can you help me make something that people in LA might recognize as a particular character even if that's quite a cliched character like I was kind of playing on that a bit um so she was like yes this you know like this is where she shops, this is where she eats, this is the clothes she'll wear, you know, these are the things she likes doing. Um, so I was like, great. Okay, so we went, you know, I got clothes and props um, and almost kind of worked out the storyboarding of how I was going to work with her. So she came to stay with me for 24 hours um, and it was quite timetabled Yeah, the way it was going to work. Um, but of course it's collaborative as well i'm not it's not like i'm saying stand over there and right. assume this pose move your like, arm to this angle. Yeah, yeah yeah i'm like do they know what you're doing um yeah so you tell them these are for paintings yeah yeah i guess you well you would you have to or would you not have to because um, in a way they're a subject for a painting like if they ever saw the painting and they didn't realize that that would be weird yeah no i'm i always tell them what yeah what it's for um, I guess it would be odd if you didn't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to take some pictures. Yeah, yeah. Over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think the thing is sometimes I, sometimes I don't tell them the what character I'm kind of thinking of them as because I don't really want... I want that to be more undefined, I guess. Yeah, you don't I want don't want them, them to play a character. Right. Um, the, their backstage credentials as y- an actor yeah. being portrayed as like know a rich person who's yeah, yeah. moody or something and then it's too much right yeah um so this kind of worked for me with this model because she she kind of got it so it, she was playing along with it but it was also she sort of recognized herself in some of the things like some of the aspects yeah. of this performance right um so what i ended up with was a bit of a mix between her as a real person and then this fictional character yeah do you ever um think would you ever contemplate using architecture that's recognizable um i did think of it first time i was going to the states and i was looking for a location um i was looking at some more sort of iconic mid-century houses and things like well, lautner like you know some yeah of those sort of things but well apart from anything it would have been incredibly expensive right to do but I also I felt like I didn't really want to make paintings that were of places that were already so like present in visual culture or so recognizable as it's a like the time thing. stamped or something. Yeah. Or content yeah. stamped. Um You know I'll that one case study house? I forget who did it. Was it Meyer uh, that's the one on the 
LA hills with a pool that's you know everyone's filmed there and yeah um but I could totally see your you know your characters in that environment well I guess they are really it's just not quite as explicitly like that house or that view yeah a lot of the time what I'm interested in using is more the sort of the contemporary pastiche of of those mid-century houses so the house that I used on the most recent trip to LA was was actually built in the 90s I think Mm -hmm. um so there's a bit of that sort of I guess the the fakery I suppose something that is also plays into what I'm interested in the rest of my work yeah and ultimately you're making a painting so you could tweak things yeah it doesn't need to be the real deal right (laughs) you're just using it as a springboard for you know whatever you're doing so travel i wanted to ask too i mean la is a specific place tied and you're using imagery that's tied to a certain demographic i would say you mm. know what i mean but have you thought of or have you worked in other places like whether it's you know italy to bali or whatever i mean have you thought of other travel influencing your work yeah i did a um kind of travel's always been quite a um, bit of the work really sometimes designed and sometimes more just out of necessity yeah um when i first started out working in this quite constructed way of finding location and working with models i was really relying on um friends of friends to hook me up with somebody that might have a cool house that i could use um so one of the first places i used was a house in berlin that was a converted gas station um but was that jörg's house yeah do you know him (laughs) yeah i do (laughs) <laughs> yeah what a great house yeah <laughs> i've visited i we've been he, in it yeah he gave us a tour before it was completed at nighttime and we had to, he didn't have the key so we had to hop the wall to get it or mm-hmm. to hop in and there were people who were just hanging out quote-unquote hanging out in there <laughs> that's my big memory of that space but and then i saw it in the daytime it's it's really and i didn't even see it in its final form but it was amazing place. yeah it was like a film set really it was so um it's so interesting architecturally yeah um but i wouldn't say there's anything in the work that i made from that that would tell you that you were looking at a house in berlin no it's, you know, it's like think, a like, it feels like yeah it could have been anywhere or yeah. um so i think that would be an example of a great house but it doesn't really matter where it is right. um but i've done other things i, I did a residency in budapest mm-hmm. um a few years ago and I wanted to make some work while I was there that seemed specific to that city. Um, so I made a series about the bathhouses yeah. there. Um, so they were kind of much more specific. Was that, that something location. you were interested in or it just you found the residency or someone mentioned it and you're like, oh, I, that sounds interesting. Um, or was it somewhere you wanted to go specifically? I'd spent, I'd been to Budapest quite a few times before and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um just as a city and then when I got invited to to come do this residency I haven't I haven't really done many residencies before um so I thought I would just give it a go but the the subject matter I think really just sort of came about through spending a bit more time there yeah um and taking the opportunity to break myself out of that slightly more restrictive process that I was getting myself into of of having to sort of find these locations and photograph people there and all this kind of thing. So um, the paintings that I made in Budapest were much more 
um, happened much more organically, really, I guess. Like some of them were completely invented spaces. Mm -hmm. Others were based on snapshots taken on a, you know, a phone while I was in, in the bathhouses or, um, or others were like a mix of, of the two. And I thought that quite liberating in a way. Right. And now who, who are the painters that you're really interested in or artists? Like who are the people that kind of inspire you? Um, I like a lot of old stuff. Yeah. Like, um, the classics. The classics. Um, Not the terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the crappy new stuff. <laughs> the pop stuff. Um, I guess my favorite painters are like Manny and Degas. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've always really loved a lot of 19th century French painting. Yeah. Um, yeah Manet is amazing, isn't he? Yeah. And I think I find, um, I mean, obviously I like a lot of, I love a lot of like contemporary painters as well, but I think when I'm actually making in the studio making my work, I almost find it um, easier to look at somebody that's you know, more historical, yeah. Perhaps so that I don't feel so directly influenced right. by something. It's probably like a hip hop guy, not like you know, like sampling from the the crates of like the way back stuff. Yeah, because you're a little less tied to it. You yeah, know? there's yeah. something liberating about that. Yeah, you feel like you're not in danger of actually just sort of um, aping something. Right. Like. It's like the roots of the way that you know what I mean. There's a connection in the way that painting is being done, and but it's not so much just the person next door and what they're up to. Yeah. It's like it's it's interesting to see how you know, Manet migrated through other painters Mm. into today and then finding that influence because it's cyclical. Everyone's always, you know, looking back and looking sideways at the same time and looking ahead Yeah, in a way. But uh, the the interesting, I I really love Manet. I didn't have any interest in him until I took a class on Déjeuner sur l'herbe and the whole class was based on that painting. Oh, wow. And that kind of opened my eyes to him as a painter. And, um, you know, he had that relationship with Baudelaire and Baudelaire, his main thing was, you know, an artist must be of one's own time. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you're in- you're influenced by that kind of painting. But at the same time, these scenes feel so, in a way, like almost banal, like today in a, yeah. in a very, like, yeah, like this image of an office building with someone working late or something. It just feels so now. Yeah. And uh, it, so it's kind of, in looking and using your environment that you're walking around in, it's unconsciously just becoming now, no matter what mm. way that you're referencing painting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, well, that's what I what I love about artists like Manny and the others of that period, because not, not just for the actual um, use of paint, but it is that sense that you really get, you're really looking at something that tells you something about the time that it was it was made in yeah and he was pretty punk Manet. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> like that barmaid painting where she's yeah facing that way it's that was like the, the birth of cubism wasn't it <laughs> yeah it was two perspectives at once you know yeah but yeah. it's all happening in a language that you you assume to be r- real yeah which i find quite exciting like yeah that painting can um kind of tweak what you're looking at but almost you don't even know it's doing it Right. And, you know, the punk or the blasphemy of Manet is that he took these day-to-day, like, like a courtesan and put her in this pose of, you know, Ophelia or something. Mm. And that was very, 
that was so raw at the time and that was so controversial, you know? Mm. And I think you, there's a real rawness of the way that you're showing contemporary women in a way. You know what I mean? Like you're saying susceptible or, you know, voyeuristic in like having my nails done, you know, yeah. sitting there and everyone could just see me getting, you know, my nails did and getting fancy. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, is there something kind of, I don't know, like very straightforward and raw about that in a way? Yeah, well, maybe it's maybe not the things that you expect to see in a painting as well. Yeah. It's those sort of, uh, I don't know, the, those scenes are so much part of our everyday visual experience of being in a city, but maybe they're not something that you would dwell on particularly. Right. In a way, it's like the opposite of like someone like Lisa Yaskavage, who's, it's so tweaked and fantastical and mm. weird. And, you know, it's so different like you know there's there's all yeah. these filters and all this tweaking going on yeah to exaggerate the content but I, there's something really interesting about no this is it this is this is life here and like you're just showing these images of it and the, the other question i wanted to ask you too is um in my mind and seeing a lot of your paintings i think of certain books or movies okay is that something that uh, you said that you know literature was an influence yeah i think um I of, i'll get asked a lot about the filmic influence in my yeah. work but i think actually on a day to day you know the thing that actually inspires me in the studio when i'm thinking about um a sort of narrative i guess in the work which isn't a narrative that anybody needs to be aware of it's just something that is a trigger for me yeah i think a lot of that comes more from literature um than it does from film although i like the mechanisms of film a lot you right know, in terms of the way i actually put paintings together yeah i was thinking a little bit of raymond car it's been a while since i've read raymond carver yeah but that kind of straightforward yeah like, life yeah i love almost. that kind of stuff and um lucia berlin yeah yeah um who's um a collection of short stories that was released a couple of years ago of her work, a manual for queening women. Uh-huh. Um, like every, well, I find uh, she's like Raymond Carver, but like through a woman's eyes in a right. way. And every story is, is could be, uh, you know, it's kind of making me think, oh, well, that could be a painting or not so sort of, maybe not as direct as that, but yeah. um, thinking about the sort of experiences of women that maybe aren't, what we expect to to see right whatever lights that fire right in yeah. the studio to get that to get the ball rolling yeah yeah that movie ice storm i think isn't it called ice storm have you seen that one no oh that was i thought of that movie when seeing your work oh, the I la paintings it. yeah it's been a while since i've seen it i think toby mcguire's in it i'm probably okay. wrong anyways it's it's a it's a very stunning sort of visual movie and yeah. it's it's real kind of like in your face with the day-to-day like it's kind Mm -hmm. of depressing in a really (laughs) interesting way (laughs) i don't know describing it right but i think you'd be interested in seeing it oh definitely check that out what are the chances they'd have that on a plane (laughs) not (laughs) probably not not too good (laughs) was it a long flight it wasn't that bad right oh it's only like seven hours yeah that feels quite short it's a couple movies in your hair (laughs) (laughs) so can you I'll, I'm going to try to release this as soon as possible. So can you share the information about the show and then maybe your site and where people can see your work? Okay. Um, so the show service is opening at Grimm 
this Friday, 4th of May, and it runs until the 3rd of June. And the gallery space is... Um, on, on the Bowery. On the Bowery. Yeah, yeah. 202. Bowery. Just down from the new museum. Yep, just across the road yeah. and down the street a little bit. And that's um, and then your website is your name? Um, yep, carolinewalker.org. Yep. And you're on Instagram and you do social media and all that yep, stuff. Yeah, all over it. All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for Thank you. for coming by. It was nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Sound and Vision is recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Brian Alfred. You can follow Sound and Vision on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast. And you can find the podcast, more information and images I take from the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation of any amount on the webpage. The intro music and introduction was lended by Michael Lovett of the band Nazca Lines. You can catch Michael moonlighting in the band Metronomy. The artist introduction music and outro music was provided by Lullatone. For more information about myself and my artwork, check out my website, paintchanger.com, or find my work at Miles McHenry Gallery in New York City, Maho Kubota Gallery in Tokyo, Hezi Cohen Gallery in Tel Aviv, and Studio La Chita Gallery in Verona. Thank you for listening.